Hi, my name's Tara Humphrey and welcome to the Business of Healthcare podcast, where I will be sharing interviews, insights, project management, leadership trainings and lessons learned from the field of healthcare to improve the delivery of your projects and business performance. Hi, welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Tara Humphrey. And in this episode is a PCN Diaries episode. So for those of you who may not know what PCN stands for, it stands for Primary Care Networks. And Dr. Fasana and I have agreed to share what life is like in a primary care network. This network consists of seven practices and we vow to share warts and all what it was like down on the ground because it's a question we get daily what are you doing what is it like what is your role what are the challenges what is working well what are your priorities so we decided to record this episode way before coronavirus and now obviously coronavirus has hit and we still think the conversation is valid so in this episode we are going to be talking about mindset resilience and leadership and We've been sharing what we've been doing, what the impact is, how quickly general practice has managed to innovate and implement online and telephone consultations. We've talked about how to remain positive, but also, you know, being realistic. It is really difficult. There is some sad and horrible news out there. So we both shared our take on how we're managing that. We talked about the need for short and long term thinking but we're very honest and that we're probably still more thinking about the short term versus the long term. We also talked about resilience and how we stay positive and how we are drawing on our own personal experiences to get through this difficult time. So I hope that you enjoy it. I hope that you can relate to it. And as always, please like and share it. And when we've got more to talk about, we will come back and share with you another edition of the PCN Diaries. Um, Stay safe and stay well. Hi, Fazana. Thanks so much for joining me again on the Business of Healthcare podcast. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you, Tara. Delighted to be here again. It's been a busy week, hasn't it? One of the busiest I've had in 18 years as a GP, honestly. I know. I think so. The purpose of this podcast is that we agreed a few weeks back to shine a light and share what goes on behind the scenes and on the ground at a PCN. And we decided to do this before really coronavirus really took kind of a hold. And now it is front and centre and focus. So we just thought after a really busy week, we should continue to share warts and all what is going on. So you still up for that? Absolutely. Um, and delighted. I think one of the reasons we both wanted to do this, wasn't it, Tara, that we wanted to give a real life picture of what's going on, warts and all. And uh, I think it's really important to share that and learn from others. Definitely. So the theme of today's episode is around mindset. So we have been purchasing laptops. We've been trying to get remote working up and running quite rapidly There's been communications within the network around share and how we're going to work things out and finances. And when I said what should be the theme, you said mindset. So can you kick us off? Why did you think that that was important? 
Yes, of course. So the primary care network, um, DARES, was obviously a, a five-year contract. And, and I think many of us realised that um, it would take about that long, that it is a big change in the way practices and primary care work, and that for it to succeed, it would take about five years. Um, and then, of course, this thing called coronavirus appeared and the mindsets needing to change rapidly. Um, and I think for me, the last two weeks has just shown how fantastic general practice and primary care is, included, you know, community pharmacists, not just general practice, but how we have transformed. In under six days, most general practices in the country have gone from face-to-face consulting model to online and telephone. That's things that take months, if not years. But um, there is a lot, I think, about rapidly changing our mindset and not having a whole lot of time to do that with the current pandemic. So what challenges have we been mainly experiencing around the mindset piece? So if I give you an example, obviously remote working is important for us all in a time when most of our staff are down, certainly in my own practice, there's normally 10 of us, 50% of us were down with either self-isolation or or isolating for family members. And of course, the demand is higher, understandably, lots of worried patients and lots of sickness. And remembering that it's not just coronavirus, there's all the other things that general practice does, like diagnosing cancers and all of those things so you wouldn't really make a model like this where you would take away workforce and you would increase demand that's not how you would would design it so we all realized that remote working was our number one priority so that people who were isolating for families could continue some work or people who were not feeling that unwell could continue work so all in a panic in true gp style we're all doers our managers are doers everybody wanted to help so as you know tara as our network manager you kindly asked us how many laptops we wanted and we had managed to save some of our network money um, and we had the funds to buy that and we all kind of gave a number without really thinking and we were also very conscious that nationally the stock of laptops might run out because it's not just health but everybody who's doing this Uh, and then came the crunch didn't it Tara because we had bought a set number of laptops and then some practices said oh but I want more and I want more and I want more and then I realized that we probably were suffering from a little bit of the supermarket panic buying syndrome and that we needed to think about a fair way of doing this Uh, so we decided to go on list allocation and list sizes but making sure that every single practice had a minimum of two so that one receptionist and one GP would be able to work remotely even if the whole site was closed because of course the other thing is if there is a corona positive patient that's identified and that patient has been seen at the practice that site would need to close for deep cleansing. So with that in mind, we thought about a minimum of two, and that's what all the practices couldn't quite get their head round. Part of that was my fault as CD, because I was also running my own practice, being the only GP in the building with everybody else down, self-isolating and sick. So I don't think I communicated that too well. 
and I know nationally CDs are having that issue that they're all busy managing um, their own practices and working in their own practices. Um, so that required uh, more communication. Um, and I think it was actually midweek, Wednesday night, I had had a very busy 12 hours. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. <laughs> I had a very busy day and I'd had a very difficult conversation where um, Tara's giggling because she knows I'd had a very busy consultation where I had had to tell the daughter of one of my um, end-stage COPD patients when she directly asked about ventilation that actually, you know, ventilation isn't that successful anyway and they would probably need to keep dad at, at home. And, and that was a hard conversation. These are very emotional, sensitive conversations. I've known him for a very long time. So then I came home at 7.30 to a whole load of messages saying, but I want more laptops. And I said to everybody, can we just think about our network rather than our own practice list sizes? Um, and let's not panic by. And I'm signing off for the evening. Bye. Yeah. So, so I think that was a very strict mummy type response, but sort of the thing that went deeper than that was about, we are a network. I am one person leading this network and Tara is one person leading this network. But here's where I, I really think that my source for networks learning has come in really useful, the Denver CI, because actually for a network to thrive, we need distributive leadership. And it goes back to that mindset of, is Fazana going to be concerned about her 5,000 at Project Surgery? Or actually, is Fazana concerned about her 66,000 as a network? And I think that's the change in mindset that we need. And we're demanding a lot very rapidly. I would say we definitely need distributed leadership, but also the network do really look to you. And where you've been really busy in your practice, there it's it's noticeable. It really, really is. So it's it's a it's a fine line when you're in the midst of a crisis. We all look to the leader. You step out, and things still, you know, it's like a business. You know, st things still run. You know, we're still. We had a meeting. We were talking about hot and cold sites. We um we did go on list side, but we also went on needs. Some of the bigger practices are more equipped they do have more stuff even though they have so they didn't need some didn't need as much and there was a little bit of flex but there is that balance between divvying out the load and everybody stepping up into a leadership position and being a leader and people do look to you and when you're not there they're all like where's Susanna <laughs> And I think that's really, first of all, a compliment, but also has really taught me how important it is to be that visible leader. And, and actually, when there's a crisis, it does require somebody to hold the ring. And I think a reflection for me is, I suppose I hadn't realized how important in that sense I was. I've always thought I'm a VIP, you know, Tara, but, but actually, you know, on a serious note, how important it is when everybody is actually in the middle of a crisis that they have someone um, to turn to that they, they can look at and it's also taught me that I have to have the confidence to say I don't actually have all the answers and we're seeing this on the national platform I mean um, you and I are on the national um, whatsapp groups and um, you know I feel 
very sorry for Dr. Nikki Kanani because she's got a hundred questions thrown at her all day, but actually she's one person. She's one person. And this is something that we will all need to work out together as a world, actually, rather than even one country. But I think it has taught me how important it is for us CDs to, to be visible, to be honest and to say, you know, maybe we don't know the answer but to be visible and say, I am here, because we forget that actually our practice and network staff are equally as frightened by this as our patients. And it's about looking after our teams as well. Do you think that we are still stronger as a network than as individual practices? I think so, without a doubt. And I think one of the real positives of uh, coronavirus, if there is a positive, is that I have never seen so much support for each other. We might be a bit chaotic about it and we might not quite know what to do and tempers might be a little frayed, but actually that support is there. And certainly, uh, you know, we've been talking about how we would manage making plans with our buddy practices um, on how we would support each each other um, when things get busier. So I've been speaking to other network managers and other leads and we've talked about kind of making sure if we're stronger as a network every trying to get maximum engagement from each practice and across everywhere even though everyone's banding together and they're working really well there's always a few people practices on the periphery what advice would you give and what are we doing to try to make sure everybody in the practice has a say and that they are included and involved? Mm, that's a very good question and a tough one to answer. So I think it's like everything in human behavior. There are always some who are enthusiasts, some in the middle and some who are not as engaged. I think certainly for our network, um, I would say the few that are not engaged for for want of a better word you know it's not that they're not engaged but they have some very important practice priorities so one has got very new partners after a retirement uh, and one has got um, a a very unfortunate and unexpected CQC rating that they're working on so I think that these are very real issues for practices and I think for us as a network we also want to see what we can do to support those practices because the network needs I believe should come from the practice needs the network shouldn't be something that's very different or alien to the day job so I think to engage practices that are not engaging it's important to ask them what it is that is their immediate need what matters to them and seeing if the network collectively can do something to support and they feel that there's something valuable in it for them And I think then the engagement will come. And I think that's going to be the difficulty because every practice will have slightly different needs. Uh, But I think we have to start from there or else we'll never get engagement and it will just be, oh, they can't be bothered. It's not that they can't be bothered. It's just that there is something else that's a priority for them. And I always take it back to my clinical work. So we're very good at um, telling people off, aren't we, in general practice with long-term conditions. You know, you're not looking after your diabetes, you naughty girl but actually it's probably because they have something else that's more important if if you've lost your job for example and you don't know how you're going to feed your family it's not going to be the biggest priority for you to think about insulin so thinking about what matters to people I think is always the way to go 
And how are you thinking or how are we thinking balancing what is in front of our nose, the immediate need, but also we want to make decisions that are not going to damage, you know, like the long term. So how are we balancing short term thinking, but also long term thinking? Not very well. (laughs) (laughs) I think the laptop is a a really good example of we did a bit of short term thinking that, you know, we need these, we need these now. um, And that was all good. But then it became actually what is fair, what is sustainable. So we, we kind of did it backwards. So we'd done something. And then we thought about I thought about, you know, the long-term fairness and consequences. Um, I think there probably will be a little bit of that, but I think in the laptop example, at least we managed to pull it together to think about the long-term consequences as well. I think that the next few weeks will be really challenging because we are so in it that there is really no time to plan. You know, if we think about our plan, do, study, act cycle in QI, we're just doing, doing, doing because we absolutely have to. And we've got no um, slippage. We haven't got enough other staff not to do it. I know lots of, you know, GP partners who are um, who've given up everything else to be on the front line at the moment because we're, we're trying to make transition and transformation as well as firefighting. So I, I think the fact that we have it in our heads is important. Um, having a network manager, uh, again, your head is going to grow big, but is like having gold dust at the moment, because I have you, Tara, to actually say, shall we have a Zoom meeting on Monday? Shall we communicate this? And I don't have the headspace to think about that, whereas you do. So I think having a manager to help you think long term, uh, I couldn't have coped the last two weeks without it, to be honest. And I think there's something for those of you that are listening that are in a management position, because I do have a little bit more headspace, I am thinking long term, but I think it's a good match in the fact that you're saying, well, Tara, you know, we, this is going to peak, you know, we, we think we're busy now, we haven't seen anything yet. So I think it is that balance, but it is, you know, having one person thinking, and I suppose I have got the the beauty and the pleasure of being able to liaise with other people that are thinking more long term and then I bring that back to you and we kind of say like yes no maybe park it it's not for us we're not as mature as that network blah 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 and it is just a constant working progress but it is about thinking and when I say long term I'm I mean I'm thinking like three six months I'm not thinking like I'm not thinking like you know like years um but it is just thinking I'm always thinking what next if we can get ahead of any of this what what is it what can we do to make life that little if it's just a tiny bit easier that is my goal so when we're there it's like okay we've already thought about this and it's just a bit of refinement rather than oh fire put it out oh fire put it out And I think that's so vital. I think we're really going to need that because we're also going to get quite um, tired over the time as well. So I think that planning is important because firefighting doesn't work, does it? It doesn't work long term. Um, And I think one of the, the sort of pleasures I've got is that when we were, Christmas seems so long ago now, but when we were looking at those deserts and sort of fighting over those deserts and 
care home ones and the structured medication review I think this has shown actually that care home work has already without ADES improved hugely because we're thinking about how to look after those vulnerable patients what to do really good end of life care planning um, and I think with this if we continue on the trajectory that we are doing we're going to be absolutely smashing it with those DESs without the need for tick boxing showing me that actually if we leave primary care to it without lots of tick boxing we will do it and we will do it better because we know it's the right thing to do for our patients definitely and last thing everybody wants to know about hot and cold sites red green amber this for that this for this what is your view so I'm having a real difficulty with this. Locally, we are just about to set up as at a borough level um, a hot site. Uh, but of course, my difficulty with this is that... Um, people have incubation periods. So the, the 14 day stay at home comes from the fact that you might be infected and not showing symptoms. So when we are seeing patients face to face for a non-cough, a, a non-coronavirus symptom, we actually can't guarantee that they don't have coronavirus. And so for me, the distinction between hot hub and cold hub is a little bit misleading. We will on a borough level have a hot hub where people with coronavirus symptoms will be seen face to face but at the moment everything else is being seen um, at, at the moment at practice level and I know that on Monday tomorrow we're having a network meeting to think about whether we want that at practice level or slightly more um, through the network um, but um, the PPE the protective personal equipment is, is, is a real issue and uh, I personally think that uh, we shouldn't really be making a distinction I think we should be reducing as much face-to-face -face contact as possible and I think with online and telephone and videos that is very possible so I've just done nine sessions of clinic this week and I have seen only four patients in those nine sessions uh, the whole five days I have only needed to see four patients that's at my practice I know that my population is quite young uh, but but it is possible so I really think we need to improve our video consultation skills and, and max out our videos because everybody is a potential infection risk and we are one of the things I've told my patients is that because we in the practices are seeing lots of patients we're probably vectors so it's not just about patients infecting us we don't want to unwittingly infect our patients and I have to say most of those patients have been really understanding so the use of um, telephone consulting and then the video has been so useful and uh, everybody's got uh, video now through the Accurex system that uh, has been a transformation in just the last few weeks. Um, so the video can be used really powerfully just to stop those face-to-face -face contacts to reduce infection. And then I suppose the final, I keep saying last question, <laughs> it's not really. Oh. <laughs> How are you balancing being positive, but also it is really difficult and it is upsetting and we're getting horrible stories coming through. Yeah, how are you yeah, how are you balancing those emotions? Yeah, so I'm very aware that this is difficult. Um, and I think that's a really good first step. Um, I personally had a tragedy six years ago when my GP partner died suddenly uh, and he committed suicide. So I think some of that learning has been really useful here for me about personal resilience. So 
I have been in tears on a couple of days, the day that I had to speak to the daughter of my patient with COPD. I did cry after that. Um, I'm very aware that um, I've speaking to people, a friend of mine, um, his GP partner is in hospital at the moment, um, not seriously ill, but in hospital. And another friend of mine knows somebody very well who was a hospital pharmacist who was in her 30s who just died. So there's a lot of um, upset and a lot of, you know, real sadness coupled with that I need to remember that actually most people are fine my practice manager's just had it and she's absolutely fine that actually most people are going to be absolutely fine with coronavirus and most of us are going to get it um things I have done is uh, on my whatsapp groups I am on 12 whatsapp groups and I have uh, found them all they're, they're buzzing constantly um I can't read them all but it's nice to know that people are out there and to see the GP world that constantly up till midnight, one in the morning, people are sharing ideas because they want this to work. People are up at six in the morning sharing ideas, whether that is resources, whether that's um, a joke. And um, I'm part of um, one of my 12 is the um, NAPC um, WhatsApp group. And uh, I just ask them for jokes. So I say, you know, I'm having a really busy morning. Can you send me a joke? And we've got Julie, one of our nurse non-exec members. And she actually did every hour she sent a joke. So um, that was really lovely. It was just a small thing and, you know, really lighthearted. But to know that people are out there, because the other thing that's hard is I'm a real people person, as you know. So actually not hugging people and not being near to people has felt quite different, a bit dehumanizing for me. So I've really um, leaned on people that I can and I've learned a lot a, a lot on you actually Tara I mean there was one day I think I you rang about something and I just basically moaned for 10 minutes <laughs> and then then got to the point you wanted to go to so I think I'm very aware that I'm physically busy mentally busy and emotionally we're going to see some really hard things and I want to make sure that I'm there to support my practice team my network team my family uh you know everybody I can but that for that I will need some resilience so whatever gets you through I've been eating a lot of chocolate yeah I think one of the things I was talking to my husband and was saying and we've and you've obviously touched on it when you said that, um, that your partner um, committed suicide in my life both my parents have passed away I've got three children they've all got long-term conditions um I've been in the past fired from jobs I run a business so every day you kind of open up and you think I've had staff members quit and you know I think I'm used to and conditioned to what you know like what what's going to happen today and I think after a while you do learn that resilience and I think I start every day thinking what is it what do I want to achieve today what can I do what is within my control what is without of my control and I definitely do get stressed but then it's a little bit like I'm not helping myself I'm not helping myself in imagining scenarios what have I got in front of me what do I know and what can I do? And often that is I can call you or I can call somebody else. I can call um, people within my network and say, what are you doing? And I think what's really nice is that in all of this kind of chaotic time, not one person has said, oh, you know, like we can't do anything. You know, it is there's always something 
we can do. And when you just take that, when I do feel stressed, I just like stop. I mean, I've got two phones. I have to turn one of my phone. I have to turn the work phone off. I could not be part of 12 WhatsApp groups. Couldn't. Um, and sometimes you just need a break from it. But yeah, it's eating chocolate. I mean, I've, my exercise is interestingly upped, but also my food consumption has as well. Um, and like you say, you do what you need to do. But I think all of us have gone through major uh, crisis in our own personal lives. And you can draw on that strength and draw in those learnings. I think one of the things in our house is we're very blessed to have a relatively big house. And we were sitting down yesterday thinking of our family rules. How are we going to get through this if we're going to be cooped up in the house? You know, I don't know, till God knows when. And we all said is that we have we need to respect our need for space and uh, my two youngest children are like little monkeys. They're constantly like being chased. They're like puppies are like being chased around and hanging off mine and Mark's neck and just love just being play fighting all the time. You know, six hours in, I'm like, I just need to be in the room by myself. <laughs> and I think it is just knowing that we all need a bit of space to respect that. You know, TV's great at the moment. Girls, you watch the TV when we're just going to be in the front, uh, in, like in the bedroom or something and just using those just the tool of space and just walking outside all of that stuff can help balance those emotions and help you process them yeah I completely agree I completely agree and and like you know with younger children Tara I, I think that space is really important isn't it because they're, they're home from school and yeah really active and w- whatever is helpful yeah whether it's a joke whether it's exercise whether it, it's chocolate whether it's just knowing I think the the most important thing you touched on is knowing, knowing when you actually need that space and you need to stop. Um, so I've spent most of the, you know, I decided not to get out of bed until 11 o'clock today because I wanted just to stay in bed in the morning and laze around. And that's okay, you know, just allowing yourself to do whatever makes you feel better for a bit because we're on a long journey. Thanks so much, Rosanna. I don't know about the frequency of this, but if you've got something to share, we will jump on and record a podcast. See you soon. See you soon. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and we hope that you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, we would love it if you left us an iTunes review or if you comment, like and share it on our social media channels. You can find us on Twitter at THC Primary Care and on LinkedIn, just look for Tara Humphrey. So the Business of Healthcare podcast is being brought to you by THC Primary Care. We are a project management company specialising in the development of primary care networks, GP federations and training hubs. If you need support or you are looking for advice on how to progress one of your initiatives, please drop us an email so I can arrange a call with you so we can discuss this further. Our email is admin at thcprimarycare.co.uk. We've been helping primary care networks with their development plans, helping them to make the most of their network meetings, sharing training resources. We've had questions like what do we include in a project plan? We have implemented network-based contracts across GP federations. We also support the day-to-day operational management of training hubs and have also got experience in setting them up from scratch. If we can't help you, we definitely know some people who will be able to help you, so please do get in touch. And that's just to remind you, our email address is admin at 
www.thcprimarycare.co.uk or come and find us on www.thcprimarycare.co.uk. And in the meantime, please tune in to the next episode of the Business of Healthcare podcast.